Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Hi, community. Every day, I write uh, in this journal the word bless. And then underneath it, a list of eight people that I pray for. Uh, Just like we've been encouraging you throughout this series to begin praying for eight people. For for about three years, one of the names on this list was my friend Michael. Now, I want you to think of one person on your list of eight. Just one. And if you're new or new to this series, think of someone you would like to see find their way back to God. But pick just one person. Go ahead and start thinking of one person. Because at the end of the service, at all of our in-person locations, community freedom expressions, and micro churches, I want you to write down just the first name of that one person as a commitment to them and to God that you're going to bless them. Uh, your local pastor will explain how we're going to do this together. Now, for our community online.tv, I want you to type the first name of that one person into the chat, also as a commitment to them and to God that you're going to bless them. So I want you to start thinking right now about that one person. Now, like I mentioned, for three years, I prayed for Michael hoping to have a chance to share the good news, the, the good news of Jesus with him. Now, now, Michael and I, we became friends because both our sons ran cross-country in the same high school team. And we both loved our boys, and we loved the sport of cross-country. It was actually during one of the cross-country meets that Michael said to me, hey, you know what, I, I'd like for us to talk sometime. I got some stuff I'm kind of working through trying to figure out. And so I quickly agreed, and we set a date for the first of what would be several breakfasts together. That first breakfast started a routine where we would share meals. we either meet for breakfast or sometimes he'd take me to a new restaurant that he discovered and wanted to share. Now, Michael was the guy who ran his own company. He was used to being the boss. And I still remember one breakfast, he, he says to me this, okay, Dave, I want you to be my spiritual coach. I've hired executive coaches before, but I want you to be my spiritual coach. So I had no problem agreeing. And we would meet and we'd talk about running life and I would coach him on spiritual things. And that was how I served him. I still remember sitting across from him at one of our favorite breakfast places when he looked at me and he began to get tears in his eyes and he began to share with me a story that he'd only told his wife. Uh, Michael's story was a tough one. He grew up in an abusive home. He moved out and lived on his own at the age of 15. He persevered, finished high school on his own, made his way to college, actually was a very successful D1 athlete, Met and married a beautiful wife, later started his own company, and did quite well for himself. But Michael had a secret. And he'd been haunted every day by that same regret for two decades. I won't forget what he said. He said this. He said, Dave, for 20 years, I felt like I've had the burden of not just living one life, but living two lives. There was a backstory. When Michael was in grad school in California, he and his best friend Jay went out for a drive. Now, Michael was the best man in Jay's wedding, and since Michael was now engaged, Jay was to be the best man in his wedding. Michael said his friend Jay was just this kind of terrific human being, very spiritual guy, very moral guy. He said, just the kind of guy he would like to be like. They were in a car accident. Michael survived, and Michael's best friend did not. He watched Jay die in that car. And then every day, Michael lived with the guilt and the shame of his friend's death. 
Eventually, he moved away from Southern California, but he never, never spoke of the accident again. So for nearly 20 years, Michael felt the burden of living not just one life, but really two lives, one for him and one for his friend Jay. As Michael shared his story, it gave me the opportunity to share the difference that Jesus had made in my own story, my own life, and then to explain how Michael, it could make a difference for him too. And I want you to know, it wasn't just that breakfast, but it was the praying and listening and eating and serving and storytelling and a whole bunch of other people too. But that was the day that Michael said yes to Jesus and he understood the power of God's forgiveness and his ability to redeem any situation. And then it was two months later, he was surrounded by family and friends that he had invited from all across the country that Michael had me baptize him. As Michael shared his story in an auditorium full of people, he, he said this, he said, for most of my life, I thought that asking for help was a sign of weakness. What I've come to realize is that asking for help is a sign of strength. If you really want some help, the best place you can go to is ask God for help and accept Jesus into your life. I'll tell you what, as a pastor, I get to baptize lots of people. But this was a little bit different because Michael was my friend. And I, I cannot tell you how good it felt to help one of my friends come to know God's love and follow Jesus. And it was, it really genuinely was a blessing to be a blessing to him. And I'm telling you, here's, here's why I'm telling you that story. That's exactly what I want for you. I want you to experience that. See, today we're wrapping up what has been a great series called Lost Cause. Jesus said his mission was this. When he came to earth, it was this, to seek and save the lost. And as followers of Jesus, his mission is our mission, to seek and save the lost. And while some might think this mission is a lost cause, Jesus didn't think so, and neither should we. Now, we've said during this series, there are two big objectives we're trying to accomplish. Objective number one is for you to actually grow in your conviction that evangelism, it's not a lost cause. And objective number two, for us to teach you a simple, everyday way to share the love of God and the good news of Jesus in a way that people want to hear and want to receive it. And we call these the blessed practices. Five simple practices. B, begin with prayer. L, listen. E, eat. S, serve. And then the last S is story. You heard me tell Michael's story. But you know what? You have a story too that others need to hear. So I want to talk about this fifth and final blessed practice, the S of story. It was after praying and listening and eating and serving that I got to share my story and the good news of Jesus with Michael. And here's the thing, when you are friends, I mean, really friends with somebody and you've paid the relational rent like I did with Michael, I'm telling you, your story becomes that much more powerful. And sharing your story doesn't have to be complicated. Let me explain by telling you about a man in the Bible who shared his story. In John chapter nine, Jesus encounters a man who's been blind from birth. His disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
See, this question reveals a common belief at that time that physical disabilities were a direct result of personal sin or the sins of one's ancestors. Well, Jesus challenges this notion, and he tells them this, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus then does something very odd. He makes some mud using dirt and his own saliva. And then he places it on the man's eyes. And he instructs him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man obeys, comes back, and he's able to see. He can see for like the very first time. I don't know if you've ever seen that Mr. Beast episode, 1,000 Blind People See for the First Time. What he does, he pays for people who can't afford to have necessary eye surgery to see. And because of the surgery, now all of a sudden they can see for the very first time. And if you watch this, I mean, it is very emotional as these people's eyes are open and they get to see people they love for the very first time. So powerful. And I imagine the same thing was true for this guy in John 9. This miracle creates quite a stir in the community. People know this man is blind and they're stunned. They can hardly believe what, they, what they're witnessing there, that he can see. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're skeptical. And they have questions, questions about how this man received his sight. And like, are you sure you've always been blind? Do you think Jesus was using witchcraft or sorcery? And the man tries to explain that Jesus healed him. But the Pharisees, they don't believe his explanation. They think Jesus is a troublemaker and he's trying to steal their power. So here's how the formerly blind man responds. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I want you to notice about his story. This man didn't try to quote scripture. He didn't give some long theological treatise. He didn't pull out a giant post-it note and a pad and start drawing diagrams. He just simply shared his story. I was blind, but now I see. I think this once blind man's story in John 9 gives us a great framework for telling our story in three parts. I think it simply looks like this. Part one, my life before Jesus. What did the man say? He said, I was blind. That's who the man was before he met Jesus. Ask yourself, what was your life like before you met Jesus? Or if you grew up in the church, knowing all about Jesus, what was your life like before you got serious about following him? Your story begins with your life before Jesus. Then there's part two, how I met Jesus. What the man does is he shares his experience. He put mud on my eyes. The man explains this very strange first encounter with Jesus. And it is strange, very strange. But no one can debate his experience. It was his experience. So think about how you became a Christ follower. Did you go through a particularly tough time in your life that led you back to God? Did a friend invite you to church or a small group? Did a life experience inspire you to get serious about following Jesus? Did something very strange happen to you? How did you meet Jesus? Then there's part three, the third part. My life since I met Jesus. And he simply said, oh, I was blind, but now I see. That's how this man would explain the difference that Jesus made in his life. 
And I want you to ask yourself, all right, so what difference has Jesus and following Jesus made in your life? How has knowing him impacted both the good times and the hard times? And when you tell your story, include both the good times and the hard times. People want you to be honest about the challenges. Don't give them Sunday school answers. Talk about how God is growing you up still in certain areas and how you still make mistakes. And I promise you this. If you build friendships, real friendships, based on praying for them, listening to them, eating together, and serving, you'll have a chance to share your story. And in fact, they may ask you to share your story. And when they do, it'll be powerful and it'll be life-changing. Now, for some of you, when you think about our simple kind of three-part way to outline your story, you know, part one, your life before Jesus, part two, how I met Jesus, part three, my life since I met Jesus, immediately, you know how to share your story. You go, I got it, I got it, this is, I got it, this is perfect. Now, others, you might still kind of be struggling to figure out your story and exactly how you would share it. And there might be some reasons why. Like, you may be sitting there thinking, well, you know what? I, I, think, I think I need more of a wow to my story. Michael's story that I told you to start off this talk, I, I both love that story and part of me doesn't love that story. And I love it. Part of the reason I love it is because it's a totally true story. It's a testament of God's commitment to love us no matter what and to use the very worst chapters in our lives for great good. And I, I love that. But what I don't love is that when I share that story, sometimes people implicitly think that they have to have a story like that in order to share their story, that you need to have a story that includes the death of a friend and 20 years of regret and a remarkable conversion in order for it to be a story worth telling or sharing. And that's not true. My own story, uh, my own story, it's, it's not a wow story. I was raised in a home by two parents that loved each other and they loved Jesus. So my life before Jesus was pretty good. At a very young age, 10, I said yes to becoming a follower of Jesus and was baptized. And because of the example of Jesus and I think God's spirit in my life, as I was growing up, even into adulthood, I mean, I felt short. I felt short in lots of ways. But I also, I didn't make some of the big painful mistakes that a lot of us make. And then I married an amazing Christian woman and we did our best definitely not perfect, things we do different, you know, to raise our family the way God wanted. But maybe, maybe here's what you should know about my story, even though it's not a wild story. If it wasn't for Jesus' example and his influence on my family and his spirit inside of me, I think my story would be entirely different. I, I think someone with my personality, I, th I think pride Pride would have driven me to do things and be things that would have destroyed perhaps my, my marriage and my family. I also think, I think there are temptations that I deal with that if I left those unchecked could easily ruin, you know, my leadership and my reputation. When I think about my story, even though it's not a wow story, my story is more a story about knowing that Jesus has protected me from things. And sure, I don't have a wow story. But my not wow story, you know what? It still made a difference in Michael's life. Now, now there's a second reason that you might be struggling to figure out your story. And it might be because you don't know Jesus yet. 
You haven't made a commitment to following him yet. A commitment. Author Brendan Manning said this about knowing and following Jesus. He said, my deepest awareness of myself is that I'm deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. I want you to ask ask yourself, is that true of you? That at the core of your identity is this discovery that because you know Jesus, you are deeply loved by him, even though you've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. And if you're not sure, and if you're not sure you know Jesus, if you'd like to know more about Jesus, if you have questions about Jesus, I'm telling you, we would love to help you. See, once you know Jesus, I'm telling you, you will have a story. And it's a life-changing story that can change the life of, lives of others. And, and, and God used my non-wow story to reach Michael. And I want you to hear from my friend, Michael. And here he is to encourage you. Naturally, with some of the things that have happened and whatnot, I'm a very guarded person. And so I always ask myself when I meet people, three questions, you know, do I trust you? Do I respect you? And are you on my team? And I need the answer to be yes for all three. And uh, when I, with Dave, I mean, he's all three. You know, I have a very difficult story. It's a long story. It can't be told terribly briefly. I was walking around with so much um, just guilt and uh, anguish and, and whatnot. And I was just a completely different person. The very first time I told the story was in my small group with Dave, and I've told it a hundred times since. The day I was baptized, it was Easter, I went home and I have uh, nobody, I don't think Dave knew this, um, but I had an estranged relationship with my father. I hadn't spoken to my father in a decade. He doesn't know anything about me. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know I'm getting baptized this day. I get home and I get an email from him and he said, hey, I, I want to solve this. This was two hours after being baptized on my, my birthday. My dad and I have the closest relationship now than we've ever had. I love him. I, we spend, he's attached to my family. I have the closest relationship with my children and my wife that I ever have, ever. And if there's anything that I've learned, gratitude and gratefulness, very, very powerful. Even if I have an obstacle in front of me, I just know that it's, it's probably going to create a better me and it's going to make me more grateful. When, I, when I'm really grateful, I uncontrollably tear up. It's, you know, whatever. My son's in the Air Force Academy, when I hug him, I'm so grateful. I just, waterworks. And I never was able to do like any of that before. I'm just very happy. And I can tell this story very easily now. I had a friend who was from high school. He's struggling with alcoholism. And uh, I had him come up into my house and stay here for the, um, the whole week. He doesn't know anything about what's happened to me since high school. And um, by the time we were done, and I was sort of telling him all of these things that had happened, he stopped drinking and he's, you know, found his way back to God and he's on his way to recovery. And so, you know, if I can do it, I, I can just, I highly encourage other people to know that it's very likely that they will be able to as well. Get in the game, be friends with God, be friends with Jesus, pray, stay focused, and just do it every day. And it's all going to be worth it. Michael's a great reminder to me that evangelism, sharing the good news, 
is not a lost cause. Jesus had his mission, the reason he came to earth, to seek and to save the lost. And he calls us to join him in that mission. And it's time for us to revive evangelism and help as many people as we possibly can find their way back to God. And God wants to use you and your story to help your friends, your neighbors, your family come to know Jesus. But as you do, remember to begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and then share your story. My hope is that you've come to a place of real conviction about evangelism and know how to live out the blessed practices. But I want to conclude by challenging you with two commitments, just two commitments that I hope each of you will make. And here's the first one. Commitment number one is use one, just one of the blessed practices every day. See, God gave us these blessed stra- this blessed strategy back in Genesis when he told Abraham he was blessed to be a blessing. And God wants the whole world to be blessed. And the only reason the blessed strategy hasn't worked the way God intended is because we haven't used it on a consistent basis like he intended. One one of the ways that I ensure that I do at least one of these blessed practices every day is I always begin my day with prayer. And like I said, right here in my journal, I write out the word bless, and I do what I ask each and every one of you to do throughout the series, just write down the names of eight of my neighbors. And all of us could adopt this simple practice. Just write down the names, or even just pray it out loud, of eight people every day. And I promise if you do that, God will open up doors for you to listen and then eat and serve and then share your story. So the first commitment I want to challenge you with is use one blessed practice every day. And here's the second commitment. It says, begin your small group by asking, who did you bless? Who did you bless? Accountability is like a good coach. It helps you do something you might never do on your own. And your group needs to provide accountability by asking at the start of each group, who did you bless this week? And just knowing this question is coming helps you keep focused on using the blessed practices. Now, now sometimes people ask me, but does it count if I just pray? Yes, that counts. It totally counts. So, So whether it's praying or listening or eating or serving or telling your story, make sure you do one practice each day and then check in on each other by asking, hey, Who'd you bless this week? And if we each make those two commitments, God will bless you and you will be a blessing to your neighbors. And who knows? Maybe, just maybe we can change the world. As we wrap up, I want to come back to the challenge I mentioned at the top of the message. I want you to think of one person, just one person you want to see find their way back to God. One person on your list of eight people who can kind of represent your eight people. And I want you to imagine with me for a moment, what could happen if that person's life was changed by the love and knowledge of Jesus? Uh, Imagine how Jesus can make a difference in their relationships. I want you to imagine, think of that person right now, how Jesus could make a difference in their vocation, their sense of purpose every day. Imagine how Jesus could make a difference in their struggles and in their pain that they're going through right now. And imagine how Jesus could change their eternity. And with that same person in mind, I want you to imagine what what would it be like months or maybe even years from now, sometime in the future, if that person asked you, the one you blessed, if they ask you to baptize them as a commitment 
to following Jesus. Can you imagine how awesome that would be? That's what I want for them, and that's what I want for you. So right now, I'm asking you to type just the first name, just the first name of one person in the chat. As you type that name in the chat, let this be a prayerful commitment before God to join Jesus in his mission and bless them. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.